It is June 6th, 2018. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Raj Geary and Justin Labar. Chris Featherstone coming along here in a little bit to talk SmackDown Live for June 5th, 2018. But first, uh, the CM Punk verdict. It's in. It's resolved. Raj Geary's uh, joining us to discuss that. So, Raj, you want to quickly recap what the jury found? Yeah, so basically CM Punk and Colt Cabana uh, were found not liable, uh, basically. Uh, they ruled for Punk and Cabana uh, against uh, Dr. Amon. So, uh, you know, huge news for for Punk and Cabana. Great news for them. But, uh, yeah, you still got to wonder if WWE ultimately, <laughs> if what Punk thinks is true, if ultimately they got what they wanted anyway. Um because what Punk had been claiming is that WWE had been doing this, extending this, you know, bankrolling uh, Chris Amon uh, to basically drain him of resources, and they cost him a lot of money, which which they ultimately did. Um, and you know, they're not getting reimbursed for their court fees. At least it doesn't appear as of right now, unless Punk files another lawsuit. But other than that, I mean, the amount of money that they were asking for, uh, you know, at the end, I think. I think there were four big things that really hurt Eamon uh, in this. I think uh, the fact that he wasn't really hurt um, financially, he kept his job. It was mostly just Twitter trolls and you know people calling him out on social media. He didn't show any financial hardship, just kind of the main thing was like he had a bad Thanksgiving and, and um, yeah, that was kind of it. His reputation was hurt with WWE fans. Um, and, you know, at the end, they were asking for close to $4 million uh, plus punitive damages. I think just looking at it, that that had to have, you know, weigh in on the jurors' minds. I think Colt Commander being a part of the trial didn't help anything because, you know, they said he knowingly um, put up something that wasn't true. Whereas Cabana said, you know, it all kind of came down with that lump. Cabana said he saw the lump. So he did, you know, so there was nothing that he could prove wasn't true that he put up. He didn't put anything that he knowingly knew was a lie. And uh, also the the big thing was the lump. Um, you know, they, they were really banking on the fact that Punk, you know, didn't have a lump when it seemed pretty clear that he did. And several people testified to that. <laughs> Punk even went on a radio show after he was released from WWE, after he signed with USC, and showed like the indent of where they extracted, you know, that lump. So um, it's a messy thing, but it's all done. And now CM Punk gets to fight in, you know, three days. Yeah, we'll see uh, if he can add a second victory this week. Yeah, Justin, well, Justin, what do you think of the whole thing? Well, I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan, but reality is I am, I am happy that he won. I think that is, uh, from my armchair lawyer expertise, I think that is the way to go. Um, you, you just said it, Rush. It, you know, it's not, like, it's not like the WWE doctor was in between jobs and this harmed him from getting a new job. He's still employed. Um, if, had, 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 the, had, the, had the law sided with the WWE doctor here, had the law said, yeah, you're going to be owed almost $4 million in this defamation for what was said on the podcast, that's the, that's the court of law partially validating internet trolls. And it opens up a nasty and scary precedent of, okay, in our already soft snowflake society, what else is going to be you know said in a podcast that's now going to be able to be ruled to say, well, you've cost me this. Maybe not $4 million for a lot of people. but And I'm not saying, and, and don't get me wrong, I think the WWE doctor, um, you know, I, I think the WWE doctor, you know, he's a legitimate guy. You know, he to him he felt like he had a legitimate case, but so 
I'm not trying to bash him, but there are a lot of other wackadoos out there that would have tried to then, you know, go out and say, oh, this person said this about me on, on a podcast and this and that. It just could have got real messy. So I think, I think for the, I think for all of us <laughs> podcasting, I think just for everything in general, I, I think it's, you know, good for CM Punk and Cole Cabana for, um, you know, uh, not having to pay anything and, and everybody could just move on. Yeah. It would certainly probably, uh, hurt their bank account, hurt their, uh, state of mind and state of focus. So in that regard, I guess you could say, yeah, WWE got, a uh, victory out of that if, if that if that's even a thing i don't know but um yeah i don't i don't know i don't know if punk's gonna be as as, as successful saturday but we'll we'll see <laughs> right yeah chris chris what do you think uh, spe- uh first of all a special shout out to justin lavar for using the word wackadoo we'll start with that <laughs> um but uh, you know as a listen uh my, my podcast has been running six plus years strong right now and uh <laughs> I've probably said a lot of things that, uh, you know, is that someone would consider insensitive about uh, a wrestler or a character or WWE in general. Um, but, you know, it's just it, it creates a slippery slope. Uh, I think this whole thing just creates a slippery slope that and I am nowhere near um, a CM Punk guy whatsoever. Uh, but I am happy that he won. Uh, for me as a podcaster, uh, because this is one of those things that, uh, unless it's taking money from his pocket, uh, I don't see really, you know, one. Of the, I, I don't, I don't see much traction that he had from from the very beginning. Do you think they would have had uh, any different success if Colt Cabana wasn't a part of the lawsuit? And uh, and, you know, and they didn't go so hard on if there was a lump or not, but rather how badly it was exaggerated. And that um, and that cost Chris Amon, you know, a lot of hardship, even though, you know, it, it, it didn't show financially or as far as his job went that he had any. But having Colt Cabana part of it, I think just really, I think it made it a difficult situation. Well, I think, uh, well, again, it goes back to the whole hardship thing. I mean. You know, I, I'll, I'll be, I'm about to become a doctor in forensics. So I, the first thing I think of is, okay, did you have, do you have actual uh, counselor, psychologist, you know, uh, do you have documentation of seeing someone uh, from a mental health specialist, you know, point of view? If it didn't hurt you financially, then you go to the emotional part. What's your, documentation that you you know that you were in dire just emotional straits and you saw multiple psychologists you know it, it, i just i don't see where that would come in as well so again it just it just didn't seem like there was much to begin with in the first place what about you justin yeah i, I don't know I don't, i'm not sure what cole cabana's absence if it would have swayed one way or the mm-hmm. other um I just think in general, I just think, maybe I'll just say if Cole Cabana, whether Cole Cabana was or wasn't there, I still think it would have been a hard thing for the WWE doc to, to win. I just, again, you know what, I mean, yeah, okay, so you had a bad Thanksgiving, okay, well, we can feel bad for you, but we don't feel, we don't feel that's $4 million worth, um, you know, I think, I think it was even the closing arguments of, of either Punk's or Colt's attorney, like, they, they named one of the social media trolls and said, what does this opinion really matter, this isn't somebody who's, you know, hiring you for a job isn't somebody who's a who's a reputable source of of of, of grading doctors. So I mean, that's the end. Of, I mean, that's at the end of the day. I mean, all of us, all four of us, if we, you know, 
if all four of us had to, had, a, had a legal precedent like like this to, to, to jump on and say, oh, this was said bad about us in a uh, Wrestling Inc. live chat of a podcast. I mean, where, you know, where I don't know. I just it, it's just dangerous. I, but I think either way, Cole Cabana or no Cole Cabana, I, I think um, I think this was pretty pretty well said and done. And do you guys, do you guys, uh, and we're going to be doing a live podcast after UFC 20, 225 this Saturday. We're going to be covering the event live on Wrestling Inc. A podcast with myself, Chris, and Matt Morgan. Do you guys think this affects his fight at all against Mike Jackson? I don't think so. I, I you know, whatever. What, you know, it, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, Punk, Punk seems like he's a pretty. He's a pretty determined and strong-willed person. I mean, I mean, I know he's. I think he's. He said, you know, he's still been training, doing whatever he has to do. Obviously, within the, while still making the, the legal obligations he had to, to make here. I mean, I think uh, he's gonna. He's either gonna get his ass kicked or he's gonna have a triumphant uh, victory. One way or the other, and that didn't matter whether of this. If, if anything, you know, maybe maybe this gives him a little bit more pep in his step this week that he that he got a victory in this in his in his somewhat personal life. Uh, so I, I don't know, but I don't really think it matters one way or the other, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, that's my angle with the two. I think that if anything, it gives him uh, some positive motivation that he won the case, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see anything negative coming. I don't see any type of negative impact coming from this trial, seeing that he won it. If he loses to Mike Jackson in the first round, it's not going to be oh that court case really really would that if that court case hadn't happened uh, the, the, this past couple <laughs> weeks, I think it would have been a different outcome. No, it shouldn't. Yeah, he should do that. He should say something about that in his post match interview. Once he gets annihilated by Mike Jackson, he should bring up the court case. Like, listen, I I just been emotionally spent this whole week. It, it's it's really been taking me over, and I just hmm. was out of the fight. It just I just lost it. So maybe uh, he should sue Chris Amon. If he loses and say that <laughs> lawsuit hurt his feelings so bad that he wasn't able to fight. And there you go. And if he gets a concussion from the fight, he could blame. Uh, there you go. Yeah. No. I, wonder, I wonder if he'll come out of the fight with a lump on his back. Yeah. <laughs> One interesting thing I, I don't, that uh, was in it was, you know, we discussed this on the other podcast was that punk. Uh, he got a concussion in his last match at the Royal Rumble 2014. And, uh, you know, from a, a clothesline from Kofi Kingston, now, WWE wanted to get him out of there, but they didn't send Kane out, you know, to take him out until way later in the match. You know? No, that's, that's actually not, that's actually not true. That's, um, Kane was actually, I was sitting front row for that show. Raj Kane was out there for most of the match. He right. was actually, he was actually out there. He got out there really early. He was down. Uh, I was at the, the turn of the barricade, um, towards the hard camera side and Kane, right, right. And Kane was out there for like the whole, almost the whole match. Right, but he was eliminated, and then he was told to go back in and get Punk out of there, and that's when he went back in and eliminated Punk. Right, but they want, but when he eliminated Punk, he 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 had been sitting on the floor for a lot longer earlier. Like they 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 right. they, they really wanted him out of there earlier. So that, that is contradictory, I think, to what Punk was. No, I think what Punk was saying was he was refusing to be eliminated until it was time, which is which is probably true. But oh, he, oh okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Miss Hardy. Yeah, no, okay, yes, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. But WWE allowed him to work so much of that match, knowing he had a concussion. And but at the end, even after they knew and were trying to get him out, they still had Kane choke slam him through a table. Oh, I, I understand. Yes, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I, I remember with Kane sitting down there, and I remember like him making eye contact with Punk, and I remember Punk like 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 
visibly for the whole world to see. The cameras probably weren't on him, but all of us live could see him. Him saying no, no, no at Kane, like don't come in here. I mean, yeah, you're right. Then they still had him choke slam. So yeah, you're, I'm sorry, I mis misunderstood what you were saying there. Yeah, so that's uh, seems like a dicey thing for WWE to to have him go through and you know do the choke slam through a table and the guys concussed. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming that Punk and WWE had an agreement where they couldn't sue each other when they came up with their settlement. Um, and that's why the doctor sued Punk, and that was kind of their their retribution. But if they did, you would think Punk might have a um, you know might have a basis for a lawsuit there. Yeah. Well, we'll see if it's over. This could be it between Punk and the WWE. I mean, I don't know what else they can do at this point. So, definitely closing a chapter on a big part of his career. This was uh, the big afterthought. Um, so we're gonna talk about SmackDown Live in a moment it uh last night man may have uh set a record definitely a recent record for the most women's airtime on an episode of smackdown live and uh man it was a really really solid show before we hop into that recap though i want to take a minute and thank the sponsor of this episode which is seat geek so you've heard us talk about it before seat geek takes away all the confusion all the hassle all of the frustration about buying tickets to your favorite events, be it comedy, sports, sports entertainment, the theater, uh, or concerts. Man, I love the SeatGeek app. Uh, I first talk about it. Raj went to see Lady Gaga, the Denver Broncos, Bon Jovi. Uh, I went to see, most recently, uh, Bananarama using SeatGeek. Uh, went to see Richard Marks using SeatGeek and all my 80s favorites. I love the SeatGeek app because it takes all the hassle out of the process and guarantees that I'm going to get a great deal and great seat for every event that I go to. We all know how frustrating it is when you want to get great seats. You're trying to deal with uh, you know, all the various sites, figuring out where the seats are located. Is it a good price? Is it decent? And what I love is that SeatGeek is so simple that with just a few taps, I can be anywhere and I can instantly find seats. Anything I want to go to, uh, we're talking about going to see the English Beat soon live in concert. Going to get those tickets on SeatGeek. And what I love about it is that it is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money, SeatGeek does, by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find you amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, and here's the best part. Every purchase on SeatGeek is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports, wrestling, the theater, concerts, and comedy. And best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code INC today. That's promo code INC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Love these guys. So glad to have them as a sponsor. They are my go-to resource for every event ticket that I buy. Make them yours. Get that SeatGeek app. Use the promo code INC to save $20 off your first purchase. And we thank them for sponsoring the Wrestling Inc. podcast. So SmackDown last night. Guys, I saw some of the tweets about this. Not the best SmackDown ever, but compared to Monday Night Raw, Justin, what did you think of last night's show? Well, yeah, I mean, compared to Monday Night Raw, it was award-winning. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was it was a good show. Um, uh, again, it, it's a broken record, but, you know, a nice two-hour format. I think it was paced well. I thought w, uh, SmackDown did a, some nice visual change, some visual risk from the contract signing backstage, being concise in the way it was shot and felt really felt authentic. 
to uh, Renee Young uh, on the Mean Gene Oakland platform uh, off the side of the stage with the big cast promo. I, I thought it was a lot of things to, to, to keep you interested. Um, yeah. Yeah, Chris. Uh, head and shoulders above Raw, that's for sure. Um, I think Raw was so bad that it made SmackDown look really good. And uh, and I think that, um, you know, there wasn't necessarily too much, you know, to, to applaud with SmackDown. It wasn't bad, but I was a big fan of the main event um, and how they were still able to protect the uh, Money in the Bank participants in that. Um, but I'm sure we'll get to it soon. But uh, Carmella... By the by, the minute is losing stock in my mind. I just, I think so. I'm just uh, yeah, I'm I'm just, I don't know. At first, I I think I put her over before a couple times on the podcast, but she's, I don't know, I'm just losing it with her. Well, she came out, opened the show last night. They hyped it as Carmella's going to tell the truth about Asuka. And I don't know about you guys, but that segment to me equals, oh my God, it's going to be Bobby Lashley's sisters again. It's going to be Dolph Ziggler comparing Shinsuke Nakamura to Michael Jackson. When they do a I'm going to expose you segment, normally that's a recipe for disaster. Thankfully, they played it really safe. Carmella came out to the ring and basically showed a video recap that showed Asuka's dominant streak, that streak coming to an end, and then her getting beaten a few times. On SmackDown, um, I agree, Chris, that the crowd didn't seem behind her for that entire promo. It was long. I mean, compared to how they opened Raw Monday night, I think Carmella spent about three or four times as much time talking in the ring um, as uh, Seth did and everyone, or Elias and Seth and everyone did on Monday. But uh, they did transition into a match, a two-on-one handicap match between Asuka, who came out to interrupt Carmella, and then Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, who came out to interrupt them. It was a two-on-one handicap, Mandy and Sonya versus Asuka with Carmella on commentary. Carmella, what I like about her, and Justin, tell me what you think about this, is even if she lost the crowd at some point, she never lost her swagger. She sounds confident and keeps in character. She is not phased by reaction, and that is a very hard skill for superstars to, to master. I absolutely agree. I, I, I actually, uh, something to that same same range of opinion I, I had thought of about thought about with her uh, dating back to when she had Ellsworth with her and and the women's money in the bank and all the controversy around that is that uh, in all of her promos she's had I felt she she does do a good job she know she she believes in, in in her character she believes in her she doesn't seem to get thrown off whether it's live whether it's a taped uh, pre you know she seems really comfortable uh, I, I think it's a, I absolutely agree with that I think um, uh, she she she's strong on the mic. And that, that that doesn't also mean that she's always got the crowd in the palm of her hand, but she's throwing the mic because she you know she doesn't she doesn't get flustered, she doesn't lose her space, she doesn't look like she forgets, she doesn't look like she loses confidence or doubts uh, the character she's playing, uh, and that and that is a skill that is it, it is hard to master, but if you have it, it can take you a long way. So absolutely. Yeah, that was my thing about the opening segment is so both the opening of SmackDown and the opening of Raw went for 30 minutes each, but I think having Carmella on commentary, I mean, and look Monday night, I mean those guys did a great technical job with that tag team match opening raw but i felt that between the promo last night on smackdown and carmella on commentary for oscar versus mandy and sonia i was more entertained by that first half hour of smackdown and i thought it was a better way to start the show whereas with raw just putting on that technical wrestling clinic i felt really bogged down the show from getting any momentum to get going um so after that 
And you know, Paige, I, I think, Chris, how do you think Paige is working out as GM? She feels like she's uh, a lot more into it than Daniel Bryan was when, as we're now learning for Daniel Bryan, that was like the most miserable year uh, time in his life being the GM on SmackDown. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I was, um, I was cautious about Paige at first, but I think she's, uh, she's fitting the role better. Uh, she's confident. She looks like she wants to do it. Um, not, not all the way sold, but I think that's, uh, I, I think as she's growing in that GM role, you know, I think it's, it's working out for her. Uh, I think the whole breaking away from absolution uh, helped her, uh, just kind of having that type of neutral voice uh, for SmackDown Live, kind of favoring the baby faces a little bit, but not too much. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I the more the more I see Paige in the role, the less critical I'm at. I, I'm you know uh, with her in that role. Yeah, Paige comes off as assertive, like she cut like you know, even you know stemming from the character of her when she performed in the ring. Like she, you believe, like okay, here's a, here's a, here's someone who she can get things done, and she's not going to be scared of any other female or male. So it definitely, uh, I think she definitely comes off as, um, you know, yeah, she, she, this is this is her show. Um, she's not just reading from, you know, you know, she's not just getting reading from orders being handed down from her superior. Like it really feels like she uh, is in charge, and that like she would fight you, male or female, if you want to try to challenge her. Yeah, compared to Kurt Angle, that seems like he's, you know, an insult or two away from a complete nervous breakdown <laughs> on Monday Night Raw as general manager. Um, so I, I thought, you know, this was fascinating last night that we had five women in a segment and it did not involve uh, a women's tag team match. I mean, granted, it was a two on one handicap, but I think that's one of the rare times SmackDown has shown restraint. Um, Asuka hit the Asuka lock, Asuka lock and uh, applied it to Sonya Deville. Uh, who tapped out for Oscar to pick up the win, building up Oscar versus Carmella at Money in the Bank. Um, after that, we had the Miz backstage with the New Day, setting up a promo for later in the evening between them. Uh, Justin, Mister Wrestling Insider, do you know the identity of Mister Bootyworth? <laughs> I don't. I'll try to get on it though. Yeah, Chris, what do you think of that gimmick and how a New Day just keeps... I mean, you're the host of Pancakes and Power Slams. New Day, I think, is is taking pancakes even further than Bootios at this point. You know, um, very interesting t-shirt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> as, soon as, I, as soon as I saw that shirt that said Pancake Power, I said, uh-huh, a few more words. I'm going to have to... Uh, be like Chris Amon on you guys, but um, uh, no, I think uh, you know it's. I, I've always been a fan of New Day. I'll say this. I've said this many times, and it's worth saying again. Uh, from day one, I was a New Day fan. Uh, I've stuck with them through the hardships of uh, trying to find themselves as a as a faction, as a trio. Um, but yeah, I mean, they continue to add layers on their character, and. Uh, Mr. Bootyworth, uh, you know, it got to the point where he couldn't stay in character because he starts smirking. Uh, but you know, I think that's what New Day—that's what New Day would do to you. It just seems like backstage in the New Day will just do that, just around even off camera, you know. And uh, it's it, to to people of backstage, it seems like it'll be quite easy to smirk with the antics that the New Day is doing on or off. Yeah, yeah, I'll say 
I'll, I'll say from an I'll say from a from an insider standpoint, from those who I have talked to, talent otherwise, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about the New Day backstage. Like everybody enjoys, whether it's talking to them, hanging out, uh, playing video games on on Woods's uh, YouTube channel, traveling with them. If they, like I, I've never heard anybody anybody in the you know last three or four years, wherever it's been that they've been uh, a thing, uh, anybody have anything bad to say about them? Which you know and and pro wrestling that's that's not always a, a, an easy thing to, to claim for anybody yeah um so they were setting up of course that main event for later in the evening which would be the new day versus the miz rusev and samoa joe um bit of a surprising match harper versus carl anderson so in anticipation of the tag team championship match that's happening at money in the bank we saw Carl Anderson take on Luke Harper, and Carl Anderson got the win, leading me to believe the Bludgeon Brothers are going to retain at Money in the Bank if they're giving Gals and Anderson this fighting chance. Uh, Justin, how, how do you uh, think this is this is going with uh, this feud and their continued use of the Bludgeon Brothers in this role? So so, uh, you know, I, I I I love Harper and Rowan. Uh, you know, they're the talented guys. I. I I, I guess I appreciate the commitment towards them. Like that, the, it hasn't dropped off. They're still committing to them, and they're still, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're being, uh, they've been pretty dominant for the most part. I, I don't know. I just, I still don't know if I completely, I, I don't know if I've where I've settled on the whole bludgeon thing. Like if it's, like if if the whole bludgeon brothers. Like if I, I don't, I don't know if I'm supposed to like, la- like if I'm, I don't know what what level of serious I'm supposed to take it or what level of campiness. Uh, and then and then overall on the other side, you know, with with Gals and Anderson. Um, you know, we've talked about them on here. I've talked about them on my Wrestling Reality podcast. I had them on my, my podcast, WrestleMania Weekend, uh, down in New Orleans. They, and they even said, like, they need a little bit of a reset. Like, things have kind of gotten to a rut was the words I think Carl Anderson used. I, 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 I like the fact they're getting TV time, all four of these guys, but I just don't know. I'm just not sure if, if anybody, them or the more notably the, the, the decision makers, if they have, like, an end game in place of, like, okay, here's where we want them to be uh, positioned and and, and Incredible wise come August. I, I just that's that's where I get lost at. Like, you know, call Anderson versus Luke Harper. Okay. Uh two good talents, a match you don't normally see, but I, I just wonder, like, okay, what what is this ultimately gonna be doing in the grand scheme of things when this is all said and done? Yeah, Chris. I think this match was totally for the purpose of making Anderson and Gallows uh look halfway decent to put over the Bludgeon Brothers. I think there was nothing else to it. Uh, I'm a fan of Anderson and Gallows. I'm pulling for him as a team. I've said that before, but I don't think the WWE is uh, that interested right now in putting them over as a team. Uh, I think they're being fed to the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, as far as the brothers, Bludgeon Brothers are concerned, Harper's a fantastic talent, big fan of his. Uh, Rowan's okay, but the gimmick is total garbage, and uh, <laughs> it, it needs to go away fast. I mean, really, because – I mean, I, I think I think Luke Harper more than anyone. Now Rowan's decent, but Harper is fantastic, and yeah. I, he's being. I think it creates a ceiling for Harper because it just it's it's a terrible gimmick, and Harp it doesn't give Harper the opportunity to really. Um, it doesn't give Harper an opportunity to really showcase what we've seen him do, you know. And he, he's so pigeonholed in this bludgeon brothers rubber mallet type of gimmick that you know i i, I don't i just don't like how they're pigeonholing him with it and um unfortunately i'm gonna have to um indulge this 
as long as I watch wrestling on SmackDown, I'm going to have to indulge this for a little longer. I hope it goes away. Um, I hope WWE realizes that it's a failed project. And, uh, you know, I, I my eyes are not uh, um, uh, ruined by seeing some rubber <laughs> mouths. Yeah, it, it, it's, and it's interesting, too, because WWE in the, in the past week had just put out that uh, was like seven-minute piece on, like, getting to know them before they are in WWE. And they, they, you know, they, they followed... Harper around and, and 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 talked about him being Brody Lee on in the Indies and you know kind of let his real personality shine, um, and, and he is a. I'm glad they highlighted the things uh, that anybody who watched him or worked with him on the Indies part of WWE would know, which is you know he for a guy who's his size, he he, he was this big tall guy, big you know, big giant, but he wants to you know he can work like a like a cruiserweight sometimes, and he has a great personality, great sense of humor, super smart guy. So it makes you 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 watch that video and, and it's so like okay this is a this is a cool story I can get behind that they just told. And then, and then they put him out there in a the more stereotypical. He's going to be the scary bad guy with the beard, and it makes you wonder. Okay, like, are, is it time? We've done Wyatt Family a couple times. We've done Bludger Brothers. Is it time to let him be solo? And I'm not saying let him be John Huber, Huber, the, you know, his like, but let like let him be a little bit more. Let, 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 him, let him talk a little bit more. Let him be a little bit more personality filled and 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 work work solo. Maybe work a style that we don't often see a guy who's six foot six or six foot seven do. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I wondered that it seemed like there was great reaction to that piece that WWE put out. So I'd like to consider the possibilities for Harper as a solo and for a little bit of a character tweak. It's not so, you know, fee fi fo fum. I'm scary, weird uh, guy from the backwoods. I think, and he's and, oh, real sorry. quick, and he's getting, and he's and he's much leaner than what he used to be. So even, mm-hmm. you know, side by side to Eric Rowan. He doesn't yeah. look as monstrous as he used to be. So I think, to me, that's even a, even a more more of a reason to separate the team and have Harper go away uh, yeah. as, as a single. I think he could be a huge star as a babyface. I've said this before. I think there's something about him that he comes across as a big guy who is scary looking, but you listen to him talk in interviews. I mean, you see how he interacts with the fans. He's just so genuinely likable. And he's done a lot of acting work now. I mean, he's got... Some roles under his belt. I think he could be a huge star, but I think the, they're they're misusing him, you know, in all the all of his appeal. So I mean, we'll see. But look, I think the end game for all of this is Sanity. I think Sanity is going to debut, and that they're either going to be in a feud with the Bludgeon Brothers, or they're going to end the Bludgeon Brothers quickly. You know, so they're coming point. as baby faces. You think? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I but I think it's the idea of you know what's scarier than a monster, an even scarier monster. I think it'll be one of those sort of things. Where mm-hmm. maybe they just come in and make quick work of the Bludgeon Brothers, and that's the last we hear of it for a while. But we'll see. I mean, with Sanity, this has been a terrible year for NXT call-ups. I mean, just in terms of how they're faring on the roster. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, when you've already got Authors of Pain that went to main event, isn't even on main event anymore. Uh, no Way Jose on main event. Uh, I mean, whatever they're doing with uh, Almas, I mean, we'll talk about that. In a little bit, but uh, yeah, Sanity. I think. I mean, I know they're waiting, but uh, I don't know. It seems like they they've lost some momentum when they even stopped airing the promos. Uh, but enough about that. Uh, on the heels of the dance off last week between Naomi and Lana, we got Naomi and Lana in mixed tag action uh, with Jimmy Uso and Naomi and uh, Aiden English and Lana last night. And, you know, on Twitter, I mean, I was seeing this this reaction just, I mean, Lana, she's not the best wrestler in the women's division, but man, she's she's improved. And uh, what, what did you think, Chris, of this this match last night? 
Um, it was a decent match. I think, I mean, you know, the Usos and Naomi, they can carry just about anyone. Um, and Aiden English can go as well. Alana's improving. Um, you know, her character is much bigger than her wrestling abilities at this point. Uh, and I think that's, um, she's got a long way to go. I definitely wouldn't, you know, make some type of knee jerk decision to give her the money in the bank contract, but because she's certainly not ready for that. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think they're trying to make her, I mean, it's, it's, it's really tough for Rusev, Lana, Aiden English was getting, he was getting heat, you know, people were uh, booing him, but I think it's real tough, really tough for Rusev and Lana because they're trying to make them heels, you know, but at the same time, they're getting the Rusev Day chance, which I've noticed that the Rusev Day chance isn't as strong as they used to be. So I think WWE, <laughs> I think their, their type of uh, formula may be working, uh, but it, they're, they're in a really tough spot. They're, they, WWE want them to be one, you know, they want them to be heels, but you know, they're getting cheered and it's, and it's tough for them. Yeah. Justin. Well, you know, with, with Chris saying, um, you know, Lana, her character and her personality is bigger than her wrestling ability. That is true. And you'd rather be that way than, than role reversal. You know, they always say they can teach you how to, how to do the moves and how to piece that stuff together and, and work well with other people. You can't teach that it, factor you can't teach that personality that 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 draws people in and in lana who has not been a good in-ring performer in the few times we've seen it over the years that she's been with wwe people still gravitate towards her because of her you know everything from her bombshell good looks to the accent to you know then you know being married to rusev and, and whatever you might find appealing about her uh through through the reality shows on e so i, I she definitely is improving i, I thought it was a it was, a, it, was an, it was an okay mixed tag match but if you want to take a story a positive story away from it it was that when Lana was in there, it, you can see some progression if you if mm-hmm. you paid close attention to her previous matches. And you know she's working non TV matches. She's you know so that definitely does help. That's where you that's where that's where everybody, guy or girl, veteran or rookie, everybody gets to get better and hone things out and, and get get their timing and get their you know get everything figured out with who they're working with you know on those house shows. So the fact she's doing that, uh, getting more consistent in ring time, that's a big thing too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, but, but again, to the points that were just made, it is confusing when you have, you know, okay, you know, people want to lash onto this and WWE kind of lets it happen, you know, putting out t-shirts and merchandise or what have you and giving the TV time, but then they still position them as heels on the heel side of the fence. So I just makes you wonder like just what, 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 what is the agenda here? What is, what, it, you know, is, is it because we need X amount of heels? Is our roster account, we need X amount of heels so we can't afford to put them over on the baby <laughs> face. I don't know. I don't know what the, the, the agenda is, but um, uh, but I'm encouraged by Lana. The crowd reaction last night, that to me was more of a Lana reaction than a Rusev reaction. In fact, there was that point during the match when Aiden tried to get the Rusev Day chant going and people were just kind of like, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like it didn't get the the cheap pop that it usually did. Um, I thought people were genuinely into it for the two of them. And yeah, Lana Day shirts now, it absolutely makes sense to me. Um, I mean, as far as entertainment goes, I mean, this may not have been the best technical wrestling match, but I was very entertained. Uh, by the segment and this feud that they're setting up, uh, you know, and I'm all good. and I'm all for yeah. and I'm all for care. I mean, I've, I've said this plenty of times. I I am a traditionalist wrestling fan. I characters over over actual mat in ring wrestling to me all day long. But you know, there's there's a, there's only a certain amount of time where you know you realize someone is T.O. Hopper, you know, instead of the Undertaker. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like you know, it, it's like. Uh, 
you, you got to realize the character only goes so far. You got to have something that that comes with it. So, um, you know, I, I I think that Lana's she's probably past the TL Hopper level right now. But at the same time, WWE isn't making it easy for her to to have a stronger character because they're making her a heel and hmm. she's not able to express the character as much as she should or could uh, Rusev as well. This has to be the first time in the history of any pro wrestling talk that T.L. Hopper and the Undertaker was Hopper in the same sentence. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Other, uh, other, than, other than maybe somebody doing a recap of SummerSlam 96. Well, T.L. Hopper, <laughs> uh, he went and got a Milky Way turd out of the pool in the pre-show. Oh, well, then Undertaker <laughs> got turned on by Paul Bear. Otherwise, I can't think of how you would piece the two of them in the same sentence together. There you go. <sighs> Last week, what were we uh, talking about? Scotty Too Hottie? Yes. Next week we'll yeah. talk about Damian Demento, <laughs> and then we'll talk about Brian Lawler not being able to pay his Hampton Inn hotel. Yes, <laughs> his hotel fees. Oh, <laughs> uh, so this uh, actually, I really like the ending of this match where Naomi hit Aiden with that crossbody out of nowhere, and then Jimmy rolled him up for the pin. I thought that was uh, pretty good ending. I mean, it was good TV last night. Might not have been the best match, but uh, as far as mixed tags go, I think this had this was actually better than ninety percent of the ma- uh, matches on the mixed match challenge. Mm-hmm. uh last night so after that oh backstage contract signing with Paige sitting at the table uh but i like how they try to make it look like a boardroom but you can still see it's one of those cheap card tables that they have backstage at every venue um that they use multi-purposes uh so we had aj styles faced off with nakamura and the contract signing uh nakamura was uh gaslighting aj a bit and then finally aj just often slapped him before being restrained and dragged away uh justin what'd you think of this backstage contract signing as opposed to the in-ring version that they've uh done to death uh, maybe the highlight of the whole show um i, I thought i loved this the change of it and not being the cheesy in the ring same old form formula we've seen um you know a thousand times i thought it was it was done well because it was kept short it didn't go too long um you know styles got a little bit of the promo just to remind everybody what it's all about what the, what they're feeding over nakamura did his you know his, his nakamura heel thing with a pen which i did pop for but then <laughs> then the frustration that it, but then because of nakamura's games the frustration it brought aj it just, it didn't come off again as cheesy it just came off authentic and then the slap you know it wasn't like we did some big Oh, we're setting the camera angle up so he can grab that perfect slap. I mean, it, it came off real. It felt like, if it, it felt, like, excuse me, what 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 it would be like as somebody is 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 just the frustration just boils over, and these two guys having the history they have. So I thought uh, it was well done. Uh, certainly a highlight to me in the program that these two guys have had for the however many months now. Yeah, Chris, you excited for Last Man Standing and Money in the Bank? <laughs> No, uh, not really. Um, <laughs> I am I am excited to uh, see all the times WWE uh, plays when uh, Nakamura said last man standing with the mouth guard and the mouth guard dropped as he was saying standing. So it was kind of like stooning. Um, so th- th- I love when he does <laughs> that, that always I always pop for that. But th- the segment, I, I pop for the beginning of the segment because to me it was like the modern day version of Hogan versus Andre WrestleMania three president honey in, in the middle, you know, with all the, uh, with all the execs from the WWE sitting on the, uh, sitting on the table. I, I was, I was, I bought the ticket seeing that 
I checked out a little bit throughout the segment, but at the end, I think it all it all made sense, and I think just the the hard slap, which actually made uh, Nakamura's face red at the end. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it was there was definitely some uh, some that, was, that came with the segment. So you know, it was a different way to change up. I'm always a fan of uh, doing affording uh, 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 and pushing angles outside of the ring. So. I think that this segment particularly did that, and we haven't seen that for a while as far as pushing segments or progressing segments outside of the ring. They used to do it all the time in WWE, but this time it did it, and I'm always a fan of that. So I think, uh, you know, I think it it uh, successfully did what it was supposed to be based on those things. I'll tell you, though, I was distracted by AJ's hair is getting out of control. I think if this continues past last man standing, there needs to be a hair match between these guys because AJ I mean it's just it's absurd at this point I think that TN was good for him you know I think uh <laughs> when he first came in the Royal Rumble his hair was a lot shorter now it's over the top like it's just like he has to spend like 45 minutes a day on it like that's what it looks like now and, and it, it takes away from like his macho-ness like his you know it, it, it's like yeah I'm AJ Styles I'm the champ hey hey AJ I think you're banged you know, I think we just got to be careful with that because the look is, you know, the look is makes the total package as well. And, you know, AJ just, uh, you know, here's looking a little soccer mommy. Yeah. I mean, I, I put that in the WWE for having Cena call that out in that feud two years ago with AJ and the soccer mom thing, because I don't know about you guys. Can't been able to get it out of my head since every time I look at him now, that's what I think. I forgot about that, but thanks for reminding me, Glenn. <laughs> that was a really, I mean, AJ hasn't had uh, a lot of great feuds, but uh, the Cena feud was great. And I think with Nakamura, it's gotten a lot better um, in recent weeks. So after that, okay, so I think these personally, I think these are the hardest matches to do. I don't know about you guys, but when you have two friends, two allies doing a match against each other, how do you make that competitive? How do you make that entertaining? Um, you know, they can't all be, uh, well, you know, maybe that's why they, in Rocky three, that's why they didn't show us the fight between Apollo and Rocky. They let us imagine it in our heads after that freeze frame, because it's so hard to do these. We had Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair last night in a friendly matchup that, uh, went from friendly to competitive and went on a lot longer than I thought they were going to give them time for. Justin, what did you think of this match last night and Becky getting a win? Uh, good for Becky. Uh, certainly, she needs it more than Charlotte does. And um, you know, Be Becky Lynch is uh, she's just un a very untapped um, commodity. I think with, with, with WWE, obviously, again, kind of the story is mini. You know, she had a nice nice run in NXT, but um, she's somebody who has she has a good uh, good look that stands out. She's she's good in the ring. Uh, you know, I think she really hasn't got a lot of time. She hasn't got as much time on the mic to give her a fair shake, but. Um, I'm a Becky Lynch fan. I like to see more of her. I thought, again, if you ask me who needs to win more, she certainly needs it. She's not going to harm Charlotte. Uh, they are tricky matches to pull off, but I think they did okay with it in terms of, as you just said, you know, went from friendly competition to amped up the competitiveness, but all in all, they still walk away, you know, with respect to each other. Um, but yeah, Becky Lynch, give me more Becky Lynch. Uh, give me more Becky Lynch. Give me more, give me more purpose for Becky Lynch. Give me, give me more Becky. I, I, Becky Lynch, not only inside of the 20 by 20, and the realm of, okay, what's Becky Lynch going to do from bell to bell? But I think Becky Lynch is somebody, again, I think they've had her like in one of the Marine movies, Wahoo, Yoo-Hoo. Yeah, Marine uh, 6 but, coming but, up. Uh, but, 
you know, she's somebody who who strikes me as like, you know, she could be somebody who could be bigger for them in the grand scheme of things. She could be somebody who could be a player for them and representing them in the in the massive world of of media. Absolutely. Hey, I've said this before. She was the gateway that got my wife into watching wrestling. My wife really liked her, and now my wife watches everything. You know, it's Becky uh, just has such appeal. And I mean, you guys have seen when she does those sessions at Access. I mean, God, in 2016, I was in that line. That was the longest line I think I was in in all of Access to to get a photo with Becky Lynch. Uh, she had that championship run two years ago and then really lost momentum after that. But I'm hoping this is the start of a comeback for her. I think, yeah, she's a great untapped asset at this point. Chris, how about you? What, what do you think of Becky and her uh, and this match last night? Oh, big fan of Becky Lynch. I think she's one of the most underutilized talents in the entire WWE. Uh, it's, I think she's got like the Dolph Ziggler complex, like a really good worker that the WWE can kind of maneuver however they want and just use her however they want. And, you know, when they want to ascend her to the main event level, they'll kind of have her peak in there for a little bit and then, you know, bring her back down to working good matches. And I think that's unfortunate. They did that with The Miz for a while, and they've done that with Dolph Ziggler for most of his career. Um, I'm feeling that with Becky. Uh, and so I'm glad that she beat Charlotte. I think she definitely needed the win and made her look strong going into Money in the Bank. But unfortunately, I don't see anything coming out of it, which, uh, you know, Charlotte's on a slump too. And, you know, when I see people on a slump, you know, as far as losing a string of matches, you know, especially particularly with Charlotte, it's like – Mm, I hope they're not doing that to have her win the briefcase because I think no, yeah. of anyone, uh, Charlotte is one of the least people who need that briefcase. And I think, and I'm hoping that the WWE is not doing that to uh, have her get some momentum because they, they, I've noticed they, they've done that, you know, for a while, especially when people get the briefcase or about to win the briefcase. They did it with Daniel Bryan, uh, you know, during his briefcase run. And I'm really hoping that they're not, they're not using Charlotte to gain momentum, you know, to get some sympathy in order to gain some momentum by winning the briefcase. I'm, I'm really hoping that they don't do that. You got to knock her down a lot further for me to believe Charlotte's an underdog at this point, you know, mm. because when she's on top, I mean, they book her as pretty untouchable for most of her reigns until those reigns come to an end. Um, yeah, it just, I, really hurt, it, yeah. It just really hurts Oscar to me. Like, I just, yeah. you know, it's like, you you beat the streak and then you lose to consecutively to Charlotte and then you let the Iconics uh, gain advantage over you and we haven't seen the Iconics in weeks and then you lose cleanly to Becky Lynch so it's like you know it, and on the grander scheme of things uh, this is hurting Oscar really more than anybody yeah. Well, I think Asuka has a good shot of beating Carmella, but I'm sure there'll be something uh, fuzzy or funny. Maybe there's always a chance that they'll do something to allow Carmella to retain. Maybe a surprise James Ellsworth return. Who knows? Uh, Money in the Bank should be interesting. Yeah, hey, stranger things have happened. Um, but no, look, I think if, they're, if WWE is smart and they're really going to do I thought, regardless of how you feel about Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, I think it was very smart for them in, internally. It's a shame that it leaked, but internally if that was their plan for a year for WrestleMania for Roman and Brock, and they spent time building to that, that was smart. So if if their plan for next year is Charlotte versus Ronda, and they're going to spend a year building to that, you know, the Charlotte, I think, has to go down before she comes back up again and ascends to that level. Um, you know, Becky, Asuka, I think there's a handful of top women that their role in, for the next year could likely be to be credible competition for both Charlotte 
in Ronda to give them credible fights, build them further to if, if indeed they're going to re- uh, main event WrestleMania next year. So I'm out of Charlotte, uh, Ronda, if they do that at 35. That's what? Sorry. Who's the heel? Yeah, I don't know. I, I always see, I would think Ronda, but they keep trying to book her as baby face. I mean, and you look at that, oh, God. She just looks so uncomfortable on commentary, even the other night. You know, it's like she goes from smile to scowl, and there's no in between. <laughs> mm, see, I, I wouldn't book Ronda as the heel because I think, you know, being good on the mic is typically a, a heel thing, um, yeah, more than a babyface thing. And I definitely don't think that she's ready to really carry kind of like the heartbeat of the angle by the heel getting all the. Uh, you know, to pass on to the baby face. I think that Charlotte is well more equipped uh, to, to handle that as, as the heel than, than Rhonda is. Yeah. We'll see. And with Charlotte, you know, if uh, Rick, uh, Rick Flair's health permitting, I do not rule out them uh, bringing him back in if Charlotte's a heel and having Rick help build Charlotte to that. If that's the case for mania next year, uh, anyhow, Becky won that match with the disarm her on Charlotte. And then they, uh, yeah, they reconciled hugged in the middle of the ring after, I mean, fans really, really seemed happy with this match. I thought it was a great match and yeah, they didn't draw attention to it, but I, I think uh, we'll see there's uh Kate Foray does the breakdowns of women's airtime. Um, on Twitter, and I have a hunch that this was the most women's airtime we've seen, certainly in ring last night on SmackDown. All these matches went for a really long time, and uh, they were they were pretty darn good. Following up that, we had Dasha Fuentes backstage with Samoa Joe. Justin, what did you think of Samoa's promo? Uh, Samoa Joe's promo, uh, "Vicious Man with a Broken or Backwards Moral Compass." Uh, I I love the phrase <laughs> "backwards moral compass." Uh, I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Chris, uh, you think he keeps asserting himself on his way to a potential money in the bank win? Oh, certainly. Joe's uh, Joe's money on the mic, and I've said this before. You know, for some reason in 2018, I'm I'm just noticing how good he is. I know that he, you know, he's always been, for the most part, solid on the mic for me. But for some reason this year, he stepped it up noticeably. And so, I, you know, he just continues to deliver. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think Big Cass, Chris asserted himself following that with Big Cass's in-ring segment with Renee Young last night? Well, no, he had a Mean Gene Oakland-style segment. It was on the stage, like, yeah. away from the room. Um, but I, I think that uh, if it was about seven minutes shorter at a minute, but it ran way too long. And, uh, yeah, it, it was. I, don't, I, I think it helped him uh, for the first five or so minutes, but after that, it was just like, please stop, stop, yeah. stop, pass, stop. <laughs> you know, so it, you know, that's how, how I was feeling throughout the whole time. Yeah, Justin, do you think uh, that after all these years of Big Cass having to stay silent behind Enzo, Cass just feels he has something to prove and how much he can talk? <laughs> I don't know if it's that, but I agree. I, and I'm a big cast fan. I seem to be maybe in the minority of people who are behind his heel run and, and, and thinking that he makes a good heel. Uh, it was too long. It, it definitely could have been shorter. Um, I like. I did like the fact they went to the old Mean Gene platform, and I like him then you know kicking Renee out. It's just a simple thing to do uh, to get some heat. Um, 
you know, if somebody asked me, you know, because somebody asked me on Twitter yesterday or during the show. They said, "Is this like punishment? Is this is this promo punishment to cast for 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 going rogue?" And, and I laughed, but I said, "No." I mean, you know, they gave him airtime on a live show to cut a heel promo on on their most over babyface of Daniel Bryan. So it's not punishment. I mean, they you know they're 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 following through with this. Obviously, this is, they're continuing this feud on, but it needs to be shorter. Um, hell, I don't know. Maybe maybe. Maybe bring Enzo back and let Enzo be his barking dog manager. Let him be heels. I don't know, but uh, I like. I mean, I I like Cass as a heel. It just makes sense. He's just he's this this big guy that has a Napoleon complex almost. Yeah. It's, I love it. You know, I, I I get behind it. I mean, yeah. Are the promos t- ten out of ten? Are they A plus? No, they aren't. But um, again, that comes with repetition. You got to keep going. I I like big Cass. I I, I could do away. I could. I'd rather have a little bit more custom. Oh, I know that's Big Cass's music rather than generic rock number. Three. Oh my God, it's creator wrestler music from WWE yeah. 2K18. You know, oh, uh, yeah. no, I, mean, I wouldn't even say 2K18. I'd probably say like WWE Attitude back, back in the day. Yeah, uh, music's a little rough, but uh, yeah, should have been a shorter promo. But I'm 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 all for the Big Cass um, heel run. I said he keeps pushing the seven feet tall thing. You know, I mean, just uh, good. It helps yeah. a lot. The- the character that he's like i'm bigger than you i'm taller than you and i agree i i like Cass as a heel i was one of the very few people that uh didn't have an issue with uh cast feuding with daniel bryan i think it was i think this is a good filler feud i think it it uh, helps cast even if he loses both at backlash and money in the bank you're feuding with daniel bryan so i mean his first single feud in three years is against a big cast so that's good i'm, I'm very critical of daniel bryan uh, appearing so much after uh, coming back in the ring, but at the same time, you know, you're feuding with uh, you, you're feuding with Big Cass and Big Cass and Daniel Bryan as a feud. You know, hey, that's yeah, I, it, it it will be punishment if Cass loses inside of like another like two or three minutes to Bryan. And oh, Cass. that will be punishment if that happens. Yeah, the immediate <laughs> tap out. <laughs> if uh, if Big Cass taps out and ends quicker than CM Punk, then we have huge problems going mm-hmm. on. Oh man! Yeah, we shall see. Uh, so backstage, Sincara interrupted or attacked by Andrade Cien Almas, setting up uh, furthering their feud. You guys think this is going to get better than the pre-show at Money in the Bank? This match? Yeah, I can say pre-show. Yeah, I think it'll be a good match though, but it'll be pre-show. I agree. How do you think uh, Andrade is faring, Justin, on the main roster? Uh. So far, okay. Still, kind of, I guess, early to tell. Um, I like that they did a little bit of build, a couple weeks worth of of outside the arena build to him showing up, and um, you know, Zelina Vega, that she really helps complement the whole whole presentation. Uh, yeah, this could be a really great match wherever it's placed. I actually had somebody on my podcast um, this week in, in the social media segment where I take questions. Somebody said they saw Almas versus Sinkar at a live event house show, and they said that it stole. They said that it it, it was. You know, fantastic, and that it could steal the show if it's given, uh, given the right time and placement on, on a WWE pay per view. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I like Almas' character. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't like it when people say, "Oh, well, you know, they they needed." You know, I, I don't like it when people assume, "Okay, we need this is casting, and we only, need, you know, like, okay, he's the Del Rio, he's the he's the, the cocky Mexican." And I don't think it has to be that pigeonholed of a casting thing. But I do like his character. I think he holds it well. And again, Lena Vega is a <clears throat> is a huge is a huge part of that presentation. So, um, you know, the Sin Cara thing. I don't expect much. I mean, good matches hopefully to come out of them. But I don't expect you know nothing more than it just being something to establish himself to the audience, uh, just to get some wins under his belt. 
Uh, and, you know, if he stays healthy and they keep, they keep with it, almost could be a major player for sure. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, the main event last night was the New Day versus The Miz, Rusev, and Samoa Joe. Now, The New Day are dragging out, selecting which one of their members will go on to com- uh, compete in Money in the Bank. Um, this is the main event last night. I thought, man, I, w- I would have been really happy with this show if Becky versus Charlotte was the main event, and I thought that just having this after it, I mean, further further elevated it, even as we're talking about it now. I mean, if this was an average SmackDown, you know, this was just pretty great for an average show. Uh, what did you think of the main event, Chris? Oh, I was a huge fan of it. Uh, I mean, the, the new day has been on fire. I mean, I think the, I think if I if I would have like a, a top few uh, people who are just like red hot right now, I think Seth Rollins is a clear cut number one. I would put new day uh, right now, and I and I just think that uh, those you know four people in 2018 has really stepped up. And I think, um, you know, and I, and I like the fact that they're dragging who's going to be a part of the, uh, the, the match because it, it builds intrigue. And I always, I'm always a fan when you slow burn things. Uh, I think that's a traditional route. And I think uh, it loses a bit luster if we already know the fact that we're still kind of cliffhanging to uh, the next show and the next show. I think that's, yeah. you know, I think that's old school one-on-one. Yeah, Justin? Uh, yeah, you know, I like the intrigue of, of drawing out who's going to be the member for New Day. And I, I think I said it weeks ago on, on this podcast, and I'll say it again. I, I would love the possibility. You know, we keep wondering, okay, what's next for New Day? They've done, you know, they've held the tag titles how many times? And, you know, they've gone heel, they've been face, they've been heel, they've been face. So it's like, okay, if we're going to keep them together, like, what what's the next thing? I would love for one of them to win the Money in the Bank briefcase and, it, and that briefcase to be potentially used in the Freebird rule. I would love <laughs> yeah. it. I, I think that would just be so exciting to yep. see the three of them joking and friendly you know friendly you know uh, oh i came closer than you and just and 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 teasing it for however long they want to tease it and then hell if one of them actually does cash it in imagine the world title being floated around freebird <laughs> stopped by them i mean i you know again it's not you know, we have two world titles so it, you know and, and we're and the amount of the amount of programming we're in in this era of WWE, it's, it's something like that could certainly be entertaining so i i'm all for the new day um uh, I like the drawing out, and I'm very excited to see if they uh, take this a step further. Yeah, I want to piggyback. I want to piggyback on that real quick. I think even the Freebird rule, I think, should be exercise the money in the bank too. I think there should be like the whole, you know, <laughs> they how tag they, in and out. They did, the, yeah, you know how they did the boxing uh, chair, what they did with Big E, and they poured the syrup on them. I think that like each and all three of them should like interchange in the match. You know what I mean? Like Big E starts first and he's, he's on for like six minutes and he comes out, he, he sits on the chair. Kofi comes in and, and goes at it for a little bit. He goes back out, Xavier, and they just keep interchanging within each other throughout the match. And then eventually because of that, they, they have the most energy and they get the case and they do the Freebird rule that way. I think that would be hilarious. And then we yeah. have to have uh, Constable Corbin come over to SmackDown and set Paige straight. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was the high point on Monday night. You know? <laughs> I mean, meanwhile, we're talking about SmackDown. There were there were a lot of high points last night. Uh, this this was a sleeper show that uh, was pretty pretty darn good. But I agree. I mean, look, with Sanity and the Bludgeon Brothers, if they're going to dominate the tag team division, giving New Day the Money in the Bank briefcase is a great way to have them sidestep that competitive tag division and not – lose any luster you know well and it also allows you know 
we all agree. I think a lot of us agree that like the new day that all three of them have built their personalities up to where all three of them um, can sell me on a singles feud. Mm-hmm. With, you know, they don't have to always roll as a pack. They could be involved in singles feuds separately, but you still kind of like the thought of, okay, uh, maybe Kofi, Biggie, and Xavier all have separate feuds sing- singles wise, but they're still obviously new day. They're still coming out in the same yeah. together in unity with the music and the, and the, and the gimmick and everything. So by them being able to do a free bird thing with the money in the bank, it kind of it's the best of both worlds. It allows that unity that they do so well, that chemistry, but it also gives them some some individual solo focus, uh, having individual solo matches and not always tag matches. They're and like they the destiny. Te- oh, sorry. They can tease the cash ins too. Like one week, yeah. Xavier yeah. come out and tease the cash in, and that's and, what I mean, absolutely. Know. And then another week, Big E comes out and teases the cash in. And the next week, uh, Kofi comes in and teases the cash in. It, so, it's yeah. a great, it's a, and, and you can do it on TV, but it's a great, great filler for live events. Absolutely. You could literally have, you know, they do three live events a week before they do TV. They mm-hmm. could do a different one and switch it up. So you won't, you know, so one night it's in, in this town, it's Big E trying to, it, it, it'd be something fun for the crowd to pop. And you could do that for an entire loop of the country for the next six months. Absolutely. Yeah, I have to say, I kind of like that better than uh, Rusev and Lana being Mr. and Mrs. Money in the Bank, even. I think uh, there's potential in that. So this match last night ended with Kofi flying off the top for the midnight hour on The Miz and Big E covering Miz for the win. Uh, This was a really good match. All in all, I mean, as we're talking about it now, yeah, this this was a pretty solid episode of SmackDown. Chris, uh, your final thoughts on the episode? I I think it was good. I think it was, like I said, leaps and bounds better than Raw. I give it a I give a solid B. Um, I, there wasn't anything that really took me away from it, and I think uh, most of it kept me kept me watching. Justin, yeah, I agree. Uh, B B minus. Uh, um, uh, again, I think the contract signing to me was just a highlight, just because again it took a risk, it took a different turn on something so form you know something so uh, overdone. And I thought that the energy and the authenticity of, of the rage between AJ and Nakamura, which is needed, uh, came off well. But yeah, overall, good show. Didn't have any. Didn't have it. Didn't have any extended period of the show where I went, okay, I'm I'm really getting bored. Yeah, you know, for me, that's the key. Is is it good TV? Did this entertain me as anything else I watched on television this week? And I definitely put last night up there. And while we're talking about it, guys, I can't remember the last time that Raw or SmackDown put on an A or an A minus show, even. Um, Nothing really stands out, you know, when I think back to it, reeling back maybe the Festival of Friendship or uh, Roman and Braun backstage with the stretcher in the ambulance spot. Like, it's uh, it's been a while. So this this last night is as good as it's gotten for a very long time. And, uh, yeah, I really dug it. If you're one of the people that listens to the podcast but does not always watch for our SmackDown, I would say uh, last night's episode's worth checking out. Uh, advanced the stories well enough and definitely was entertaining in its own way. And that's a lot better than we could say for Monday Night Raw most weeks. So, uh, yeah, Fox. I think, uh, I think SmackDown is being more marketable to Fox than Raw is to USA right now, based on based on yeah. content. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think, yeah, this, this would be solid uh, Friday nights on Fox. And I think would... Mm-hmm. Uh, Last night, let me put it this way, you know, uh, in comic books, they always talk about every issue of a comic is somebody's first issue of a comic book. If last night was somebody's first time watching SmackDown Live, I think they would tune in next week to see what happens. Yep. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cool, guys. Uh, Chris, what do you want to plug before we take it home here? Pancakes and Power Slams. Uh, 323rd episode last night. I had uh, NWA. It was my Sports Illustrated audio version 
I'll have a piece on Sports Illustrated uh, from my Nick Aldis interview. Nice. Uh, the audio version was on the uh, show last night. Uh, it was a pretty long interview. It was really good. He, he tackled a lot of good stuff. So uh, most of it's going to be on the SI article, but uh, all of it wasn't. So, uh, you know, just check out the entire interview last night on the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, check out Pancakes and Power Sims every week. We have a wrestler on the show every week. Follow me at Crave Wrestling. Follow the Pancakes and Power Sam Show at Crave Wrestling. Follow me at Chris Prolific for all of your wrestling needs. And Justin, what do you got going on? Uh, if you're a fan of Bruce Pritchard and the Something to Wrestle With podcast, they're coming to Pittsburgh July 15th. That is the day of Extreme Rules, and I'll be hosting the live show. Uh, 30 years worth of stories in WWE, your questions, and plus I usually always have some surprise guests. So, again, July 15th. It'll be a diesel nightclub on the south side. It must be 21 or over. Uh, it'll be uh, wrapped up by 5 p.m., so plenty of time to get over Extreme Rules. Uh, the only place you can get tickets, uh, TicketKingOnline.com. A few tickets left, I believe, just under 40. So VIP, reserve seating, meet and greet, or GAs. Uh, make sure you join us. Excellent. So Saturday night, Wrestling uh, Wrestling Inc. will be back with Chris, Matt Morgan, and Raj Geary. They're going to talk about the UFC event that's happening Saturday, which includes CM Punk's uh, second fight in UFC. We'll uh, see if the discussion of it is longer than the match itself. Although, I heard CM Punk may be joining us as well. Well, we'll see. You know, this is a pretty good week for CM Punk. I think he seemed very happy yesterday. I think uh, if you're ever going to go up and call him Phil and ask him to sign something you're going to turn around and sell on, on eBay, this is probably the week to do it. <laughs> Just don't do it next week. Yeah, not next week. <laughs> oh, man. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein. I live tweet along with SmackDown and Raw, sometimes NXT as well. So if you enjoy uh, this wit and insight, believe me, you'll get a whole lot more of it on my Twitter account. And of course, follow the official Wrestling Inc. Twitter as well. Until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care.